the top talent in the world know that they can find a job uh, from anywhere. So they're going to gravitate towards company that makes them successful, no matter where they are. So which tells you that the best companies of tomorrow are going to be distributed companies that make these people successful. Uh, and so that's why there's no going back uh, uh, to, to, to the office the same way uh, we, we used to go uh, a few years ago. Hey everyone, I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Organized Chaos. As always, we're taking a page from a different leader's playbook so you can put it in yours as you build your own. And you just heard from Tony Jamis. This episode's all about the future of work. Tony's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Oyster, which is a global employment platform that aims to remove the barriers of remote work and distributed hiring. Tony grew up in Lebanon, went through the Civil War and developed this incredible worldly view where he believed that we should eliminate the bias of hiring across different countries. He did this in his last company, which he took public, and then he set out to build Oyster as a way to empower all of us to hire across country boundaries. So if you're growing a business and you've thought about tapping into this global workforce and finding people across the world to work for your business, but it just seems too daunting, the infrastructure, the taxes, the payroll, the setting up entities, the HR and compliance issues, that's why their company exists. So we get deep into remote work, which they've been for the last few years. We talk about growth while maintaining your employee wellness. They've grown from uh, 50 to 600 people in the last couple of years. And we get into how COVID affected all of us in this remote world future that we live in. So this episode will dive deep in remote work Enjoy it. Hey everyone, welcome to Organized Chaos. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio, and today we have with us Tony Jamis. Tony is the CEO and co-founder of a really cool company called Oyster, and he's going to tell us more about that today. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Chris. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for coming. So you're, you're tuning in today from the beautiful island of Cyprus. Is that right? That's exactly. I, I moved here a year ago, and... Uh, which is the benefit of, of uh, working from anywhere, right? So I can build a company being where I want to be. Yeah, and I, I'm sure a lot of us have that story. I'm actually uh, up in the mountains right now, about two hours from our headquarters, so not quite as far from the office, but it's it's nice, it's flexible that you can sort of work from anywhere these days. And, and I know that's a big part of what your company does. So we're gonna get into all of that, but I wanna start with kind of the root of the problem. From what I've read, a lot of what inspired you to start Oyster was trying to tackle this global inequality in the workforce. And I think something people don't think about often is if you're forcing everyone to go to one location, the people around the world don't have the same opportunity to get employment at that company. So can you talk a little bit about that problem and, and when you noticed it? Yeah, I noticed this problem uh, when I was the CEO of uh and founder of a previous technology company called Nexmo that was an API business that grew rapidly, went public in, in, in less than seven years uh, by merging with another company on the NASDAQ. But what we did in that business, we had to hire people in 45 countries. And I was able to witness there the power of distributed work. Not only you can access a global talent pool uh, and build a, build a very diverse workforce, 
but you can also be the best employer uh, for certain employees in certain countries. Uh, we would be the best employer for uh, Diego in Argentina and, and Mary in Athens, Mohammed in Morocco. So, uh, so when I when I left this company, uh, when I when I exited that business, um, I um, um, it was really important for me that I build a business that is mission driven, uh, but is also I wanted to build a distributed company because of founding these superpowers of distributed uh, uh, teams. Uh, but I wasn't looking forward to the challenge we faced there. We had to set up entities, hire lawyer, accountant, payroll provider. Uh, we spent millions of dollars building our own internal employment infrastructure, and we failed to deliver a great employee experience. So uh, when I wanted to start a new business, I wanted to be distributed. I didn't find solutions for that. Uh, and and uh, I realized that if you use software to reduce the barrier of global employment, essentially you take this 180 countries, every country is different, and you use software to reduce that complexity and, and reduce the barrier to global employment, you can not only build a new category uh, and, and, and lead it, but also uh, you, can, uh, you can change people's life. And uh, just to give you some data points, uh, according to BCG, there are over 90 million jobs going unfulfilled in the West, mostly knowledge work. And, uh, uh, and, and at the same time, you have 1.5 billion knowledge workers coming into the workforce in the next 10 years, mostly in emerging economies. So if you remove the barriers for companies to tap into the global talent pool and also for people around the world to have the world as their oyster when they're looking for a job, uh, While well, you can reduce things like brain drain, uh, wealth inequality, you can, uh, and you can improve communities in these countries. I love that you dropped that world is our oyster comment, which gets right to where the name came from, oyster. So can you tell us just directly, how does oyster solve this problem? What does oyster do for companies? Yeah, so oyster, uh, we provide a global employment platform. Uh, essentially, it is a combination of an employment infrastructure in 180 countries. So we have our, we are, we are the employer of record in all these countries. We have entities, uh, physical entities. Uh, and then on top of that, we have uh, a knowledge layer uh, with essentially all the employment laws, labors, payroll regulation, HR best practices. Uh, and then on top of that, there's a software layer that enable you as an employer to, with few clicks, to employ Mary in Athens in less than six hours and extend to her a fair and a safe and delightful employment experience. What used to take you know, months and you have to hire lawyers, accountants, benefit providers, payer providers, country by country uh, is, is now uh, uh, is essentially um, a few hours of work and, uh, and, and the fee becomes a variable. You move fixed costs and you turn it into a variable cost. Yeah, it's, it's such an important service. And I love that the idea for this business came out of the struggles of your last business. And even, even though that company was very successful, the problem you dealt with in setting up this infrastructure that took millions of dollars to set up was the, the, the nucleus, the idea for the new business. And I hear so many entrepreneurs come on and, and say the same kind of story. And so for anyone that's listening, if you've got a business that you're running right now, it's likely that the problems that you're dealing with every day could become your next business. So pay attention to those problems. Uh, I'm curious, Tony, the, the future of this global workforce with one and a half billion people coming into the market, do you think 10 years from now, it's just going to be so normal that everyone has employees across many countries or how do you see it changing? Uh, I don't see any any version of the future that doesn't include that. Uh, 
So uh, because the trends are so big, uh, you have uh, uh, Brian Kaplan, who is the economist from George Mason University. He argued in his book, Open Borders, that if you remove the concept of borders from talent mobility, you can triple the world GDP. Uh, so, so when you have uh, such a, a huge potential in uh, in creating uh, opportunity for for millions of people around the world, uh, that's going to happen. And uh, and obviously, uh, no uh, uh, like short term financial uh, crisis will will derail this mega trends uh, that are shaping the world. Uh, you know why today you have uh, everybody has internet. Uh, increasingly, uh, and, and increasingly high-speed, high-quality internet. Uh, everybody can can learn online, uh, can get 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 into the best universities uh, through through online classes. Um, it's gone the days where uh, the best software developer in in Nigeria go works for a local uh, bank and stay there for twenty years and and and, and lose uh, their potential of growth. Now uh, these these engineers. 50% of, of employees under management on the Oyster platform are R&D. Uh, so we, we're, we're witnessing the creation of this uh, like independent nation of global remote employees that are not tied to any country and they can dictate uh, a higher, a much higher salary uh, than if they work for local companies. Uh, and they are also growing with the opportunity uh, because when they work for companies in the West, that are uh, in short of talent, these companies are investing in their people. They're investing and in growing their, their human capital, uh, and, but, but not domestic local companies in emerging economies yet, mm. uh, because the talent is so abundant in these countries. So everyone listening, pay attention to this trend because you know this is something I've seen over the last decade, couple decades, people that are pioneering, you know, trying to figure this out on their own. I sit on the board actually of a company that has employees in 11 different countries and they started eight years ago and had to set up a lot of this infrastructure on their own. Today, it's so much easier when you use a company like Oyster to be able to connect and employ those people and tap into that global workforce. So if you're not looking around the world for your talent, you should be, I think, is a message I want people to hear from, from this podcast. So, so Tony, I, I know that your story you've shared in the past um, had a, a, a piece of it. You grew up in, in Lebanon, right, during the Civil War. And I'm curious how, how much of that experience influenced what you're doing today. How has that stuck with you? Oh uh, Yeah, I think, you know, uh, it's really hard to assess uh, as, a, as a child uh, I was from age zero to age 10 in, in a civil war. It's really hard to assess uh, how this impacted me today. Uh, but clearly, I mean, there, there is a, uh, when you have children that go through this type of experience, they develop uh, essentially a form of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, that makes them hypervigilant. And uh, uh, unfortunately, being hypervigilant, or fortunately, I don't know how we look at it, is great skills of being a CEO, right, an entrepreneur, uh, because then your your uh, your mind is always at the lookout of potential risks, and and uh, entrepreneurship is is not only about taking risks; it's about also taking calculated risks, and it's about mitigating risks. So your mind becomes very uh, alert uh, to these uh, uh, potential risks in your business. Now, now the downside of that is that you you have to really take care of yourself, right? You have to find the balance in your life because if you're always hypervigilant, 
you know, the, essentially you put somebody with PTSD in a CEO job, uh, that's, uh, it can really turn badly if you don't have really good discipline in terms of work-life balance and, uh, uh, and, and ability to monitor your thoughts and not be reactive to your thoughts. Uh, actually, I burned out in my last job as a CEO, and I'm, and I'm, I'm uh, uh, committed not to, uh, not to burn out this time around. Um, do you have any recommendations on what you're doing to not burn out or, you know, people that are feeling that same kind of stress and being overworked? Uh, what, what should they do to, to get on top of that? Uh, so uh, number one is is really reduce your activity to the events around you, and that's happened through uh, a number of uh, meditation techniques. You essentially want to observe your thought process and and observe yourself, increase your self awareness, and increasingly be less reactive to the events that are happening around you. Uh, and uh, uh, and and secondly is uh, is also you want to protect uh, your. Uh, yourself from your work in a way that you want to create boundaries, you want to create clear boundaries. So for instance, in my case, uh, at Oyster, we don't, we don't have meetings on Friday. We don't have internal meetings on Friday. So, so we, we call it focus Friday. And what we do is we use that opportunity to clear up our inboxes, uh, read what we have to read, all the, the training we have to go through, uh, and, uh, and then make sure that we, we, we go into the weekend, uh, without the need to work. So that we have this gap in the weekend where we don't work. Uh, another example is uh, um, uh, is is adjusting the schedule of my life uh, that can that is that works for me. So, for instance, I don't work in the morning. I'm in Cyprus. Most of my team is in Europe or in the US. So I, I don't work in the morning. In the morning, I spend time with my children, spend time for myself, uh, and I work in the afternoon and evening. Uh, and I introduce uh, frequent breaks, and I have one hour break in the middle of afternoon when I spend time with my children when they come back from school. So, so this is how uh, uh, I maintain some sort of balance. But it's actually it's not uh, it's always changing, right? So there there are phases where I can get off balance. In Q1, we were in fundraising, and it was a highly intense uh, fundraising because uh, of what's happening right now in the market. So it really uh, uh, pushed my balance. So now I'm in the process of uh, getting back to that balance. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes for entrepreneurs, you've got to think about balance uh, through a more macro lens, right? Sometimes balance is seasonal through the year that there's busy parts of the year and then there's lighter parts of the year. You know, that's, that's part of me spending this, the summer up here in the mountains is because my kids are off school and I want the flexibility to have more time with them. So I love that you do the focus Fridays. I think that's a great takeaway, an easy thing that everybody could implement. So thank you for that. And you also mentioned being less reactive and trying to be less reactive. Now, one of the biggest things, of course, that's happened to all of us in the last few years was COVID-19. And you started Oyster just before COVID-19 hit the world. So I'm curious how, how you were reactive to that or how did you navigate that and what impact did it have on the business? Yeah, we, we started the business in January 2020 and we raised money uh, in February. When the money hit the bank account, we all went into lockdown and we realized that what we thought was going to take us millions of dollars to evangelize the world, convince the world that distributed work is better for business, better for people and better for the planet uh, has been, has been, um, has, has happened in, in, in a, as, as remote work becomes a norm. Uh, 
Um, and so we shifted our attention to really acceleration of the infrastructure built up, the acceleration of our product roadmap, uh, and scaling the organization. And we, uh, in, uh, in, in less than two years, we are, we've built a, uh, 650 people organization distributed in 70 countries that is that is di as diverse as planet earth so we have 60 percent women in the company including gender equality on the uh, uh, on the leadership team um, so uh, and and we have uh, uh, we are receiving over 13,000 job applicants a month these are people who want to work for oyster uh, and and we're very very proud of essentially building a, an employer brand uh, that people want to associate with. People want to work for companies that give them the flexibility and the freedom of where they want to work, but also empower them and enable them to be successful no matter what they are. That's incredible. I, I love as diverse as planet Earth. I've heard people talk about you know wanting to be uh, as diverse as their customer base or as diverse as their local geography. And I think being as diverse as the, the planet is something that someday hopefully we can all aspire to. So so kudos to you on, on building with such intentionality from the beginning. Yeah, well, and 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 and, uh, and diversity when it comes to human diversity, you know, we can't, I can't, we can't compete with with uh, natural world diversity. That's for sure. Yeah. So. I know there's a lot of stigmas about hiring internationally. And I saw one of your LinkedIn posts about this, where you talked about people, how they, they, they cite, you know, regional cultural challenges or language challenges or ethics or productivity. And so what do you say to that? How do you refute that, 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 uh, those comments? Well, we all, we all have biases for, for things that we, we all have biases. That's number one, it's part of human nature. And secondly, we all are afraid of the unknown. Uh, so we haven't done it yet. Uh, we are proving uh, with my previous company, but also Oyster, that uh, you can build an amazing organization uh, by finding, by building a, a distributed workforce around the world. So, uh, so when it comes to culture, uh, company culture is uh, becomes more important. If you have a strong company culture, it becomes more important than, than local cultural differences. Uh, so that's number one. You have to really invest in a strong company culture. And when it comes to language, um, increasingly as the world move into remote work, uh, a lot of the work happens asynchronously. So essentially written language becomes more important than spoken language uh, for the majority of the employees in the organization. Um, so uh, and and so that's kind of how you overcome the language challenge. It's really by investing in and, and tools to enable your employees to be successful no matter where they are and move to increasingly asynchronous way of working that enable people to work across time zones effectively and have access to the data that they want to have access to to be effective. Uh, and uh, you know, when it comes to, to, to the uh, ethical aspect of things, um, things like also security and safety, I mean, there's, there has been, so the, from, a, from an ethical standpoint, your company culture is more important than the local culture, right? So, so you have to really uh, accept that uh, you can find uh, um, uh, criminals in every country, right? I mean, they, they exist in every country. And, and so, so uh, at various degrees, obviously, but, but they exist in every country. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and, and really, it's the company culture that you, you build around trust, around transparency, uh, that will enable you to address that issue. And when it comes to security, I mean, today there are so many tools 
I mean, the, the security stacks of freelance workers have matured rapidly in the last five years. Uh, so there's increasingly less security around that. So Oyster runs, uh, you know, as remote or more remote than anyone. So I'm curious, what tools or things have you invested in innovation-wise, best practice-wise to really enable the async collaboration? Yeah, that's a good question. So we call them the tools and the rules, and we even uh, uh, gave them a brand recently, which is Follow the Sun. So we have our own way. We've developed our own way of working together uh, across time zones that makes everybody successful, and uh, we call it Follow the Sun. Uh, and it's uh, it's actually a number of tools uh, and then rules and how you use them. So tools would be, let's say, we use Slack for asynchronous messaging communication. We use Zoom for synchronous uh, video. We use Loom for asynchronous video in terms of documentation. Our internal documentation is taken as seriously as our external documentation to our, to our customers and our uh, employee under management. So um, uh, we use, uh, in every type of meeting we have, we, um, we have to come prepared with uh, some asynchronous material that need to be consumed ahead of time. Uh, and uh, um, so these are, these, are, these are examples of the tools and the rules we use here. Uh, and uh, we also train a lot our team. So we have the Oyster Academy that is a remote work training that takes any knowledge worker and make them a better remote worker. Uh, leveraging the way we do things at Oyster, and it's deployed internally, but it's also a free course. Everybody can go and and, and improve their remote work skills. Um, and uh, we model the way as well. So essentially, the leaders, the more the higher you are in the organization, the more you're expected to be a better remote worker, right? So I'm I'm supposed to be uh, the best remote worker of this company uh, in order for us to model the way and for it to work. And it's really exciting. It's really exciting to be able to change. I mean, it's harder for for people of my age to change, but but it's like really exciting to uh, uh, to actually be uh, uh, seeing this change as completely aligned with the success of my company, and 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 uh, kind of you overcome this fear of change essentially, and you have to do it. I've never heard that as a, as a CEO responsibility to be the best remote worker. And so, you know, it really gets out of that. If that is your culture and that is the expectation of everyone, you have to model that behavior. And uh, so the, the tools and the rules are a cool way to communicate that. Uh, one thing I worry or, or think about with uh, employing people internationally is how do we handle compensation? You know, in, in the U.S., when we're hiring employees and, and trying to create fair pay scales to pay people uh, for salaries. How do we, how do we think about that in international markets? It's a, it's a big challenge for many organizations. Um, the, the major challenge is really the, the accuracy and the availability of data uh, to be able to know uh, what fair compensation look like for a specific law or for a specific seniority in a specific country. Uh, and uh, uh, so, and there's also uh, various cost of living consideration and and so so uh, uh, so there's, there's there's challenges around that. The other challenge is also you have to have a mature compensation uh, model and, and philosophy in, in your company in terms of uh, banding levels, the different bands that you uh, you, you want to allocate to to your team and uh, and how they progress uh, across these bands and uh, and have really clear rules around. Uh, uh, what is what is uh, the compensation for a specific role in a specific geography? And that's what we do at Oyster. We have a compensation philosophy 
that is uh, based on data uh, that we use to to create uh, to predict and and be very transparent about uh, how a person in a given geography at a given uh, role and experience will get paid. Uh, and uh, so that's from a from a salary standpoint, but also from an equity standpoint, uh, we we adopt uh, uh, geoagnostic equity. So the amount of equity you have is independent uh, from uh, the location you're in because uh, uh, we believe that uh, uh, there is no reason why the upside uh, should be uh, should be geo uh, localized, uh, unlike uh, the cost of living consideration, which is uh, very specific to, uh, to a given country. Interesting. So, so you geolocalize the salaries, but don't geolocalize the equity component because they're essentially doing the same work as someone else. And why not have the same upside? That's correct. That's correct. From an equity standpoint, uh, from a, from a monetary composition standpoint, unfortunately, uh, uh the world is not completely, uh, uh, equal from that standpoint and uh, the reality of businesses make it that uh, you cannot run uh, a successful business uh, today if, if uh, I mean there's exceptions you know if you're if you're a small organization or if you're uh, only hiring engineers uh, that are already uh, very expensive pretty much everywhere uh, then you can you can you know permit yourself uh, to to do that uh, but it conflicts of reality of growing uh, a successful business today today however, I do believe what's going to happen, and you know, part of our job is to to facilitate that, uh, is to make sure that the uh, the supply of labor uh, from from a, a lot of the outside tier one cities. Essentially, you can think about you know uh, anywhere outside these tier one cities uh, will um, this disparity will drop uh, because you're going to have um, essentially an equilibrium that's going to happen in the market. The more uh, people can be effective working from anywhere. Uh, the more you're going to see an equilibrium, and we've seen that happening in 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 the engineering uh, uh, in engineering, right? So engineers today, there is a much smaller gap. Think about it as a Gini coefficient. Gini coefficient is actually it's an economical indicator that measure um, disparity uh, between two variables. So think about it: the wages of uh, executives or or employees in uh, uh, in in a developed country. Uh, would be much higher for the same job uh, than in a developing country. Uh, that that curve has narrowed down when it comes to engineering. That Gini coefficient has narrowed down in the last few years uh, because uh, the talent shortage. So companies in uh, the rich world had to go and find talent in emerging economies. Um, so we see that also to continue to happen in other functions as well. So over time, you have this uh, like. Uh, um, a country, let's say, uh, independent country called global employers uh, or global employees that can be hired by any country. And eventually that would drive uh, down these, these disparities in the world. Yeah, we've we've seen this domestically. You know, we, we used to, prior to COVID, hire mostly where we're located in, in Arizona. And after COVID, you know, people are, are hiring all over the, the, the U.S. at least. And, and so we've seen the, the local salaries become inflated because there's a lot of people that are getting offers from, you know, companies in other markets. And so I imagine it's even more pronounced, you know, I, I used to uh, have people in uh, the Czech Republic that I worked with and, and, uh, and now we have people in, in Ukraine. And, and again, I'm, as you mentioned, seeing the, the inflation as there's more demand for, for talent in those international markets. And so I think we'll continue to see it 
level out a little bit, the disparity will close. But uh, it, I think it, it will definitely be more pronounced internationally than it has even been domestically. So it's something to follow closely. Yeah. So being, a, again, a, a remote company, have, have there been any pitfalls? Have, have you run into any problems? I'm curious, uh, uh, any issues that you've had to correct over the last few years? Uh, many, <laughs> many, many issues. Uh, what we do is very complex. I mean, if you think about it, we are uh, combining uh, an, uh, employment compliance uh, knowledge with uh, payroll and payments and effects in 180 countries. Uh, with benefits across all these countries. Um, so uh, so essentially solving that with software is complex and uh, and we cannot solve it for self with software right away. We cannot just come and just build software uh, and before we start to learn, we had we had to kind of learn about the different uh, differences between all these countries and then build software on to, uh, after we we gathered all this knowledge and and uh, and databases about the different flavors of employment around the world. Uh, and uh, and there's always issues. There's always issues that that pops up. You know, think about uh, um, uh, things like uh, uh, different payroll regulation in every country. Like some countries, you have to pay them 13 months or 14 months. Other countries, you have to pay weekly. Uh, so uh, so essentially, uh, there is a number of challenges that happens as you start automating and softwareizing uh, the employment value chain across all these countries. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the major, really the major challenge, uh, the monster challenge that we are tackling uh, with software today. Uh, and uh, um, so the other, the other challenge that, that I faced as a CEO is essentially how do you balance uh, growth with customer satisfaction and your team well-being and engagement as you are hyper growing? So we've grown 20x last year. I've grown from uh, uh, 50 people to 600 people. And uh, and when you do that in such a short period of time, well, you have to really keep balancing these three variables. Uh, think about it as a golden triangle of growth. And every quarter, you want to invest in expanding the surface area of that, uh, of that triangle. So you cannot grow too fast if you haven't invested in your people. You cannot grow too fast if you haven't invested in your customer satisfaction. Um, and and uh, the same, you cannot invest too much uh, and hire too much people ahead of your growth. So you have to really keep balancing that equation all the time. Uh, and uh, and essentially, you have to put efficiency at the center. So you have to really uh, grow the three variables in an efficient way. And many many companies, especially when uh, when when uh, capital was uh, uh, was readily available uh, for technology company. Uh, that efficiency variable was not always in the equation. Uh, I'm smiling because it's it's like you were just in the meeting that I was in before we jumped on this call because we were talking about the balance of growth and employee wellness. And so I think that's in the forefront of a lot of our minds, especially companies that are growing quickly or, or have the opportunity to grow quickly because uh, you, you don't want to burn your people out, right? You, you don't want to grow at, at all costs. And, and so I think how you mentioned about just expanding the surface area is a really great way to, to think about it. Uh, I've got a, a couple more questions here um, that we'll touch on before we wrap up. So uh, a lot of CEOs are demanding people come back into the office and they're resisting the idea of, of distributed work. I'm curious, what do you think 
is is so hard for them to 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 wrap their head around or, or, or why are some companies just not getting this uh, leaders have a challenge with this because uh they uh, we used to uh, confuse um, performance with presence we used to go to the office and see people in the office and say yes people are working then i can actually relax and uh which by the way we inherited that from the industrial revolution and from being in 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 a, in a, in a in a factory when you go uh in business schools you know if you if you went to business schools then you you learn the management techniques that we learn today in business schools are being inherited from uh the industrial era and haven't been much updated so so you have that uh, fear that if people are not present in their seat then they, they're not productive um and uh and 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 when you start losing that uh signal that they're not in their seat uh so what happens with the leader uh they they start mistrust they start mistrusting the person their employees and their employees feel that and then it becomes a cycle um uh so you have more mistrust and, and less engagement more mistrust and less engagement so you have this vicious cycle uh, of mistrust and uh and this engagement that happens so, so that's why that's the problem uh, that many many leaders are faced with today. So, what you need, you need to really change your chip. You need to look at the data. The data show you that uh, first, people, vast majority of people, they want flexible work. They want that freedom to work from anywhere. Uh, and you know what? The top talent in the world know that they can find a job uh, from anywhere. So they're going to gravitate towards company that makes them successful, no matter where they are. So, which tells you that the best companies of tomorrow are going to be distributed companies that make these people successful. Uh, and so that's why there's no going back uh, uh, to, to, to the office the same way uh, we, we used to go uh, a few years ago. So what about on the employee side? You know, if, if there is this cycle of mistrust and poor engagement, uh, how do employers look for a person, look for an individual, that will be successful in a remote environment? Are there things that they should look for on, on people that are great async collaborators or can operate across time zones? The barrier to become, uh, the barrier to qualify uh, to work remotely are very low. You know, we talked earlier about uh, written language because your work is mostly asynchronous, right? You know, um, depending on your level. Uh, so anybody, uh, any knowledge worker today uh, can perform their job remotely, but that requires that the company can make them successful, that the, the way the company is run and built uh, and the way people work together is, uh, is a way that makes people successful no matter, what, no matter what they are. So not because you need to come, not because you come to the office that you get promoted, not because you come to the office that you get more productive. So how can you create uh, more equality uh, regardless of the location uh, and more inclusiveness uh, of location. Um, so yeah, so so that's that's what uh, uh, really the, it's it's everybody can qualify for being a remote worker. So so many remote workers out there, as you heard at the beginning, 1.5 billion workers coming in to the workforce in emerging markets. And Tony's company, thankfully, is providing a great solution for you to be able to tap into that workforce. So like Tony said, 
Don't confuse performance with presence. I love that. I think people should be embracing remote work. And Tony, thank you for giving so many great tips on how you've built this with Oyster and how you've enabled so many other businesses. Be sure to look up Tony, look up Oyster. They put out great content. Check out their website. Tony, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for listening to Organized Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share it with anyone in your network that you think could benefit from this information. For episode show notes, podcast recaps, and tons of other small business news and inspiration, check out the manual. That's trainual.com backslash manual.